off the show. I'm Pablo Morali Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are Robots versus Texas. On Radio Free Brooklyn. Once again. <laughs> Once again. And here we are, three years later, recording our 150th episode. Yes. Um, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of learning, right? Yes, it's been a lot of learning. <laughs> I've had to get over a lot of fears. I am shitting my pants right now, <laughs> um, because this feels like a high wire act. Um, so yeah, it's Sabri- been three years. <laughs> yeah, Sabrina just says it's been three. It flew, flew by. Like, yeah. yeah thanks, JoJo. Thanks yeah. for the congratulations. It's uh. It's funny because we do a new episode weekly most of the time, barring any sort of like extenuating circumstance. But um, yeah, you just sort of it, it's a responsibility. Like you just make it fit into your life. Right. You know, yeah. like we either we go to each other's houses or during this pandemic, we've had to figure out how to do it, you know, across yeah. a distance. So exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a blind man in an orgy, right? You just got to make it fit. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how that goes. Also, that's awful. Uh, All right, so... uh, But but, but yet apropos. Yes, I mean, you know, know, it is us, after all. (laughs) As long as as everybody's willing, you know? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Willing partner, consenting... They're invited. They're they're you know, uh, you know, really inclusive in this orgy. Um, yeah, it's just a bunch of cool people fucking. Anyway, um, so, so uh, we hope everybody's got their shots. All right, let's <laughs> let's put it that way. How do you think I'm getting through this show? I'm like, oh boy. Ah, those aren't the shots I meant, but <laughs> those work too. Actually. Yeah. These are probably the shots that lead to, you know, all the other stuff. So. Yes. A little liquid bravery. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. man. It's good. So good. So, gang, um, this week we saw two really, really great movies. And So, yeah. Which one do you want to get into first? Do you want to get into heat first? Yes. you want to feel the heat? <laughs> the heat. Um, how how many times did they say heat in that film? I that that could be a, a drinking game in and of itself. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I really want you to to give me your hot take on this movie. You know, give me what you got. Okay, give me what right. you got. I'll just you know? uh, I'll just jump right in then. Yeah. Um, uh, the movie essentially uh, the the protagonist and antagonist are essentially the same man, um, metaphorically. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, um, they're men who can't uh, run away from who they are, but they try to. And in the course of trying, um, they essentially ruin people's lives around them and put their own uh, existence or identities uh, at risk. And it's only... It's only upon acceptance of that identity or that life or just who you are that uh, the real options or life as it's supposed to unfold uh, takes place. And just jumping a little bit ahead here, um, Al Pacino's character, uh, he he thought that he could be a family man from from the very beginning. Um, 
You but really he, think so? Because I don't. I don't think that he will. He wanted to be a family man at all. He's just like he was. I'm resigned was to pretending. life. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. was trying to pretend by by having. I mean, he was on his third marriage, so obviously there was something inside of him that kept trying to do this. And then at the very end, when he's speaking with um, his uh, his last spouse after they've taken her daughter to the hospital. Um, and she's just like, do you think, do you think this thing between you and I can work out? I'm paraphrasing here. Right. And he's just like, no, I, I don't think it can. I, I'm, I am who I am and I can't, you know, lie about that. Yeah. And then on, I am on what the I chase. Right. <laughs> exactly. And on the flip side of the coin, um, Robert De Niro's character, he was very accepting of who he was most of the movie. And, but then when he was admiring sort of, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, uh, some of his fellow criminals <laughs> who somehow yeah. uh, were maintaining their families somehow, even though ultimately it was, you know, for nothing. Um, he he thought to himself, well, maybe this is something I can have. And he he was almost able to have it. But because he tried to shirk the identity that he had had the entire film it caught up to him at the end, especially when he saw Al Pacino's character um, sort of running down that alley and they locked eyes and Robert De Niro just thought, oh shit, I, I got to run and I got to leave this woman who I've fallen in love with behind, who I think I've fallen in love with behind and, um, and be me just because I couldn't run away from who I am. I, we were scot-free, but then I had to pull over and kill a guy. So Right. Speaking of coming, dude, I came twice um, because the, both these movies were so good. Um, uh. And I, you know, I hate to make things uncomfortable, but, you know, fuck it. Uh, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> Listen, listeners, like, please comment if you're uncomfortable right now. <laughs> come on. This is is this consent. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Larry's Larry's uh, Larry's throwing up. And Johanna's like, <laughs> good Lord. Um, but no, no, no. Um, anyway, to be serious, yeah, this this movie is kind of like a meditation on, like, what it means to, uh, you know, um, uh, not not just to be a man, but, like, to be, like, uh, a, a man of principles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's very... Um, it's very meditative. I mean, it's very like uh like it 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 really builds up both Al Pacino and Robert De Niro as these like uh as these kind of saint-like figures in what the in the careers that they've chosen, right? Uh mm-hmm. Robert De Niro is a criminal. Um Al Pacino is the world's best cop, you know, with the most with the he's an old guy but with the youngest hair. Like, right? Uh, <laughs> that hair is just so, like, perfectly coiffed. It's just... Um, and, and, and you know, and how the, the two of them eventually collide. But, uh, man, let me tell you, um, it, it's, it's weird to, to see this movie and see how it influenced pretty much all of Christopher Nolan's films. Like, you watch Inception... And that whole scene where they're they're uh, they're on the rainy street before the tra- before that train hits their car that's pretty mm-hmm. much heat right um, right yeah uh, with with regards to like you know that whole shootout in, in the uh, in the streets 
which was one of my favorite fucking, you know, scenes ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first time I saw this movie, it was really under weird circumstances. I had taken like a weird, um, uh, I had taken a vacation with my friends, Larry and Orlando, both of whom are in the chat room right now. Hi guys. Um, oh, Joanna, the name of the movie is heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I took uh, I took a trip with those guys uh, to the Dominican Republic. We met up with hey. this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we met up with this um, for some ha- some somewhere along the lines. We met up with this uh, socialist dude who wanted to overthrow the Dominican government. Um, <laughs> and Perfect. yeah, I know, like the likeliest scenarios, right? Of and course, then. Um, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Like your your typical vacation, a little sun, a little sunscreen, a little brugal, right? And a little <laughs> socialism. So, um so I saw this movie uh, when like we met up with this guy. He uh he was like there's this movie called Heat. Um <laughs> there's this movie called Heat and you guys have it's the best movie ever. And he was in between this, he was talking to us about socialist theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. Yeah, overthrow the government. Also, Pacino? Really? Um, so <laughs> so I watched – that's the first time I ever saw this movie. Uh, and I remember being like really – and I'm still weirded out by the fact that Al Pacino, in the opening scenes of, of, of the movie, he's trying to devour this lady's face. <laughs> he's just like, ah, ah. It was one of the most awkward <laughs> sex scenes. It's just like this lady; she needs help. Yeah, I know. She's like, it seems like she's trying to get away, and then <laughs> it's uh, so weird. Um, but yeah, uh, and then you know, we fought. We we come in on um, on Al Pacino and his home life. Did, you, did this movie seem like six movies at the same time? It did. It did. And when I saw that the runtime for this movie was two hours and 50 minutes, I was just like, all right, I guess they got a I guess they got a lot of heat in this movie. So um, tip my hat. We'll to you, see. Sir. OK, but it, um, they, what do you think of of of, uh, you know, with regards to the criminal aspect with Robert De Niro's character who plays uh, uh, Macaulay? Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, has a relationship with his with Val Kilmer's character. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a scumbag? Who's a gambling addict and who uh, <laughs> treats Ashley mess. Judd like shit? Yeah, yeah, he's a total hot mess. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, when I was a kid watching that movie, you know, in the Dominican Republic, watching with my socialist friend and my my buddies, um, <laughs> I was like, oh wow, this guy's like, you know, he's a tough guy. He's um, you know. Uh, he he doesn't have time to answer to any of his shenanigans or whatever. <laughs> but now I see it, and I'm just like, what a piece of shit, you know? What a scumbag! And I'm just like, wow, I'm I definitely have more knowledge, and I'm definitely getting older because all these things that seem romanticized to me now seem completely toxic. So that's that's the uh, that's the change in culture right yeah. like you know what was what was normal back in the day you look at now and it's just like oh no that was that was abuse or that was that was misogyny or that was this that, and the other so uh, at least it says that we're all evolving on some level i hope um doesn't feel like it some days but anyway we're not going to get into uh, taxes in this show uh, <laughs> okay not 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 that much anyway but um yeah val kilmer's character 
was uh, all he really got to do during the film was just act like like he didn't know how to be alive. Like all he knew was how to shoot and how to almost keep from dying uh, and not even not even from the shooting, just from his own vices. Like when he showed up at Robert De Niro's apartment, he was just he was sleeping on the floor. I mean, I guess he didn't have uh, Robert De Niro didn't have much uh, furniture in that place because they always got a. There's always the possibility they have to pick up and run away if the authorities, you know, are getting close to them. But you never saw him like doing anything except yeah, ex- right, right, <laughs> hitting that shit or, <laughs> or or picking up picking up a gun and just laying waste to civilians, police, you know. Uh, also, side comment I want to make about this film: one of the most scariest gun sounds throughout this entire film. From the they, first, yeah, from the first robbery scene, I was just like, "Holy shit! Is that what those weapons sound like?" Yeah, that that it was it was it's so weird that the machismo in this movie uh, is so romanticized, but the gun sounds are just like, no, this is a weapon of death. Like if you get in front of this thing, it will blow your lungs out through the back of your spine. Like you will feel your kneecaps like fly out of your body. Um, (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I thought that was such an interesting choice and also really visceral because it's just like as, as soon as the sound kicks in, like all the sound, uh, like the sound mixing, it kicks in, dude. It it becomes really frightening, like to the point where I'm just like, I wonder if like you know, uh, if if they just like they just uh recorded live gunfire and then they just like use that in the mix. Um, they had to. They had to have. They yeah. had to have like just uh converted a shooting range into a sound studio and just recorded these horrific weapons just just going the hell off because. They they did a great job um, sort of uh, conveying how loud it is, because no matter what volume you have the movie on, you could tell that the sound was reverberating throughout the entire space that it was in. And most of the time they were in the street. So you could tell from the action scenes like you, you were hearing these gunshots for blocks and it's something that nobody would mistake like, huh? Is somebody lighting firecrackers? Like, no, these are guns. Yeah. Like people, whatever, what you're hearing now is death. You know? Yeah. So. Plus, like, I, I, I was, like, wondering what their strategy was, especially in the final shootout. I was like, you know, um, to to shoot these loud-ass fucking rifles, right, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to make your getaway, I feel like is antithetical to the nature of the getaway. <laughs> Because you're trying to like you're trying to stealthily slink into the shadows, right, and mm-hmm. get away with all the money, not call more attention to yourself by like you know running in the streets, grabbing a kid, and just fucking shooting like <laughs> mad heads, right? <laughs> they uh they they stealth was not their strongest suit. Um, yeah, it, it was more about speed. So yes. uh, that was part of um, Al Pacino's monologue at the beginning when he was just you know uh putting putting the crime scene together in his head and he was just like they were in and out by this amount of time which means that they know our response times like these guys these guys are pros you know almost yeah. with like an air, an air of admiration you know right, 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 um, right. these guys are ready to rock and roll at the drop of a hat 
Yeah, yeah the snaps. The snaps yeah. is just like, ah, oh, these guys, you know. Um, oh, speaking of which, speaking of which, tell me what you thought of – You got you, come on, you got to go into Al Pacino's – his his <laughs> – his acting caliber is pre-Cage. I think Cage stole his whole zero to sixty aesthetic because there are moments where, like, I'm just like, that's a that's a weird acting choice. Like, uh, you know, when he's like, uh, you know, give me all you got, give me all you, you know, that whole thing. He there's a it's like he's reminding you, like, I'm Al Pacino. Yeah. Don't you forget it. Um, it, there was one of the points where it really jumped out at me. He was in the club talking to a connection of one of his informants, right? And um, Tone Loke sort of, was it Tone Loke? Yes, Tone yes. Loke. <laughs> and um, you know, Tone Loke is sort of resistive in in, in, re, in regards to giving him any uh, information because you know he's about to pretty, funky Colt Medina somebody. It, right? It's exact nice. I like what you did there. Um, and Tone Loki's like, if I tell you this, I'm going to get killed. And <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's a great and, Tone Loke. <laughs> and then Al Pacino's like, you can get killed walking a poodle, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he completely like when he said that he was completely committed to that line. And I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was um, like, this cop is crazy. Um but there's a moment where they're, the, you know, Al Pacino has him. He's interrogating him, and he's like, um, you know, I don't know nothing about no bitch, man. And then the guy goes, and then Al Pacino turns to him, and he's like, Yeah, but I bet she had a great ass, you know? <laughs> and you got your head all the way up in it, you know? It's like, <laughs> holy fuck! And then uh, you know, Hank Azari is just staring at him like. <laughs> like really are we all okay with the, the amount of cocaine that's being ingested on set <laughs> it was uh it was really wild but the way they played off of each other was uh really interesting because robert de niro has a more uh res- a reserved acting style in regards to voice volume but um the gravitas in his face uh, was on display the entire film. Like you could, you could really write that face right there. Um, like you could really read the emotions that he was going through. Um, there was the only part that confused me uh, in regards to the character. I mean, sort of confused me, sort of didn't is when he um, went after Val Kilmer's spouse in the film, Meg Ryan, right? No, that's uh, Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 <laughs> Ashley that's cool. Judd. And um, she was about to leave him. Like, it, it seemed like, I mean, that's what Val Kilmer was uh, telling Robert De Niro. And so he finds her at some motel after some guy just left a room. Turns out it was a business connection or something like that. But he was really about to, like, you know, get in her ass about it. And uh, all the way up it. And uh, <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Oh, yeah. 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 But yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell me. And then and then she was just like, I can't take it anymore. And he was just like, you're going to give him one more chance. That's what you're going to. He wasn't asking her. He was telling her. He was like, you're going to give yeah. him one more chance. If he if he messes up, I will help you leave. But you need to give him one more chance. And she just looked at him like, who the fuck? 
are you? <laughs> like this is this is my this is my ma- he's he's abusing me, and you're telling he's the world's squarest man. I mean, like you look at him, he's <laughs> in the shape of a square. Like there are no like round sides to Robert De Niro. <laughs> so uh, let me tell you, I think the movie. Uh, should be it's called Heat, but it should be subtitled "How Men Traumatize Women," right? Because uh, there are two, there are a, a gaggle of women in this movie that, uh, w- when I say gaggle, I mean three um, that are just completely fucked by the men that they're with, right? With Val Kilmer, with Ashley Judd, and then. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the the lady that um, Robert De Niro ends up, um, you know, sleeping with and having a relationship with that is like a week old. He's just like, you know, I'm in medals, and she's like, oh, the man of my dreams, you know, <laughs> and um, and then before you know it, she's like watching the television. She sees that her new beau is mm-hmm. like. Uh, is committed has not only robbed a bank but is responsible for a wave of fucking you know corpses in the streets um (laughs) and now he's just like telling her to pack her shit and leave to new zealand with him and uh and she's just like i don't know maybe i should just give him another chance and she does and then at the end of the film you know she takes She she's there. She thinks that they're going to this fantasy getaway, and in fact, they go to a, a what a, a Marriott hotel mm-hmm. uh, where uh, Robert De Niro. As soon as he goes in, she's in there. Think about it from her perspective. She's in there for at least half hour tops. She's in the car, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, just like cops, the fire department show up. <laughs> he comes out wearing a completely different suit. And then he runs away from her once he she sees that Al Pacino is like chasing him down. So um, she's trauma. She's like in therapy for the rest of her life. Also, true. The, yeah, the girl that Tom Sizemore grabs, right? Mm-hmm. That girl is alive right now. You know, <laughs> in imagination land, she's alive, going to her therapist and being like, "I had the dream again." I'm swept up in this big guy's arms. I'm running with him. He's got a gun. He turns around and then he's dead. <laughs> and she'll and she'll never get the sound of a high caliber bullet whizzing two inches by her ear from her face. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that sound is permanently burned into her head. Yeah, like. she, yeah. every time somebody drops a, a bowl of spaghetti, she's just like, oh, oh, she shits her pants. <laughs> <laughs> that's right sabrina night terrors night every terrors single night every single night she can't she can't get a mosquito to land, land on her ear without flipping a table like yeah. ah, the bullets yeah. the bullets but um tom the sizemore thing, the, the, <laughs> the thing that bothers me about her character though is that at the end when robert de Niro uh, saw that you know Al Pacino was about to catch him, and he he runs away. And there's that prolonged look, like oh no, uh, I gotta, I gotta go, uh, you know. And <laughs> and she's looking, she's looking back at him, like like with this shock and this like I thought we were gonna be together. And I was just like, lady, just a few days ago, this guy was gonna tear you from your life from everything in your life and take you to New Zealand. 
possibly forever. Um, and you ran from him. And now you're surprised that a man, uh, uh, first of all, a criminal, a wanted criminal uh, with his face on the news, who told you that he's run away from everything in his life. And then you're surprised that he's running away from you. Like it, it to me, it was just like, I mean, I guess it can happen. Um, people get caught up in all sorts of things, but it's just like, that's like I mean, her being surprised at, at him, at seeing him shoot somebody. It's just like, I didn't know you were this kind of man. Like, yeah, you <laughs> I just thought you were in metals. I didn't think you were into bullet metals. You know? <laughs> I'm in metals. That, that whole, that whole exchange is like one of the, like, I look at it now and I'm just like, what the, f-? like, really no follow up questions. Like what kind of metals architecture? Like, are you in construction? Are you like, you know, an electrician? Like, what kind of, what are you doing? You know, First of all, and, uh, any, anybody who's in metals doesn't say I work with metals. They're like, you know, I'm a metal, I'm a metallurgist or I am in metallurgy, but it's yeah. just like metals. Alchemy, you know, I try you know. to turn lead into gold. <laughs> you might have seen my work. I was on Full Metal Alchemist, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anime reference. Yeah. Do we have any. Any anime, anime fans any, out there? Anime, anime fans out there in the crowd? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Can I so, say yeah. the the only thing that I actually felt empathy for in this movie was Al Pacino's little TV. Uh, when he, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, when he walked in on his spouse, uh, who had obviously taken another lover, and the guy's freaking out because he. Realize, like, oh, this guy's a cop. He has a gun on him. I might that get dude, killed. Sorry, that dude. I just want to add that dude is um, uh, John Connor's stepfather in T two. That that's dude. right. He's like a car- Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, there, there he were a lot of like, there are a lot of familiar faces in this film. There was a um, one of the guys, I guess, one of his old like criminal world contacts that Robert De Niro was talking to earlier in the film. Uh, was uh, was Kane yes! from RoboCop Two? <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about fucking Tom Noonan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, the the uh, but when they were arguing in the apartment, and you know, Rob De Niro, uh, not Robert De Niro, uh, Al Pacino was like, you know, you can come in here, you can sleep with my wife, uh, or my in, wife, you can. Bo- <laughs> You, you can, you can, uh, you can take in the ambiance of this postmodern, you know, shit, whatever. It's like, but what you can't do is watch my TV. <laughs> <laughs> and he fucking picks the TV up and marches the fuck out of there. Yeah. Cut, cut to a little later in the film. The TV's still in his car. He pulls up to a bus stop and he's just like, you know what? Fuck this TV. And he just. <laughs> kicks it out into the street and it shatters in front of these, you know, teenagers bystanders, just like bystanders at a bus stop. I don't even think they were really supposed to be in the film. I think they just were there (laughs) and it was just like, this is what I'm going to do. And they just recorded their reactions because they're just like, what What the fuck? (laughs) Yo, Al Pacino just fucking killed this TV. Yo, Um, Jamie. (laughs) Woo, Jamie. Thanks for, thanks for joining in. (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit uh, about their 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 talk together, where he's they're discussing dreams? Yeah, yeah, that was a 
you well once they sat down at that table you were just like okay this is obviously a classic hollywood moment um that i'm sure has been referenced uh throughout the years um i think this is it's their first movie together it was yeah it's the first movie together oh wow okay they were together they they've never been in the same scene together like I, i'm pretty sure they were together in godfather 2 but they never shared a scene Oh. Because uh, Robert De Niro was in the past, uh, Michael Corleone, uh, Al Pacino was in the future. So yeah, it's um, yeah, this is the first time they've ever shared, uh, and that's why this movie was so big. Like in 1995, this when this movie came out, everybody, I just remember everybody was just like, "Holy shit, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino are in a movie!" Holy and I shit. was just okay. like, you know, I just want to get laid because I was like a little kid. You know, <laughs> I'm a 13 year old. I have so much teen angst, man. You know. <laughs> That was me. I was Michael J. Fox back in the, back in the day. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, um, that scene, uh, I think, kind of it, it encapsulates how much I, I love this movie, and I'm also puzzled by this movie, right? Mm. Um, because the things that they talk about, uh, you know, he, you know. Al Pacino is just talking about how good a cop he is, right? Right. And he he's, he starts off by he's like, "I'm a good cop. I just I do this and that." Uh, and then you know, to, to which Sabrina is like, you know, she's watching with me, so she's like, "What the fuck is this? Like, are they just gonna <laughs> jerk each other off? Is that what this is?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh, shh. This is act. This is acting." <laughs> she's like, "All right, all right." Um, <laughs> But then, but then it goes uh so the the scene keeps going and um they start talking about their dreams right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then fucking uh al pacino is like uh i'm having a dream where like all the and uh, you know all my all the corpses of the people i failed to save are just looking at me with their black eyes and they open their mouths and they're saying nothing and robert de niro is just like <laughs> you know i had a dream oh, i'm drowning in my dream and it's like he gives him nothing and i'm just like <laughs> that's that's the great line between these two characters is that al pacino is throwing like he ripped he sacrifices everything for his job like including his life he's ripping it out right mm-hmm. and then uh and then al pacino he's just completely like He's like his suit. He's like gray and white. He's just like nothing. There's nothing else there. What he is yeah. is what he is. He's a criminal through and through. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, that's that's one of my favorite scenes ever. But uh, what did you think about like their de- the description of their dreams? Um, I, I I thought it was basically them just outlining that they were sort of the same person. They they are both haunted by something that they can't escape um, with Al Pacino. It's, you know, the the victims of crimes that he couldn't save. And with Robert De Niro, um, he's haunted by time. Um, his drowning dream basically highlighted to both himself and Al Pacino that the feeling of drowning is essentially uh, the worry of not being able to do the things that you ultimately want to do. Oh, my God. Dude, that's what they, yeah. That's what... That's what they said in the film. So, I oh was just yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I, but still, it's like, 
you know, I, I was so enamored by like this, just the, the two of them talking together that I feel like I might have just completely missed that point because I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's Robert De Niro and Al Pacino in a movie together, you know. Um, <laughs> but that's uh, so, yeah, I think that's th- right. That's right. So um, do you uh, do you want to wrap up this uh, this this half? Yeah, because we we've got we've got um, Reservoir Dogs to dig into. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so so yeah, let's uh, let's just say Heat has everything. Tough guy talk, you know, loud guns, uh, an over the top coked out Al Pacino. It's got Henry Rollins in sweatpants. Um, it's got Danny <laughs> Trejo in his first movie. Amazing. Uh, by the way, amazing Danny Trejo performance. I've loved Danny Trejo. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's got everything. It's it's even got the Allstate guy. Like he's like, "Are you in good hands?" <laughs> Blam, he's dead. <laughs> oh man, they the way they did him for for a second, I almost was wondering what he was doing in the film. Right, they, right. <laughs> like they introduce him early on, and then you don't hear from him for like a good forty five minutes. It's just like, what happened to that guy? And then it just so happens, you know, oh, you know, he's a. He he used to work with these guys, so last minute, you know, um, last dr- last minute draft pick into the criminal criminal uh, activity, and then he's dead. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, one minute he's just like he's grilling, he's just grilling away at this fucking dead end job working from Harold from Harold and Maude, and then just <laughs> like the next thing you know, he's fucking you know he's D E D dead dead. So. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie, also for that cue. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Joanna's like, did he give an auto quote? <laughs> Probably. Um, <laughs> let's let's just say let's just say his auto rates are the lowest that he can get at this point. <laughs> Six feet under. <laughs> Listening to the Robots versus Taxes program. I'm Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo, and we are yeah. broadcasting on Radio Free Brooklyn as well as Instagram Live. <laughs> yes. Uh so are you are we gonna bark all day, little doggy? Or are we gonna <laughs> fucking bite? Because we're about to talk about fucking reservoir dogs. Oh yeah. Woo, that movie, man. Talk about talk about it being having a permanent place in pop culture, man. Like I was just like, oh, my God. It's like the Simpsons did like half this movie yeah. in their episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about the itchy and scratchy one where like yes. they're just like and then the Quentin Tarantino comes and is like, what I'm trying to say is like there's violence everywhere, even on cereal boxes. And he fucking gets his head cut off. It was. <laughs> Love you, too, man. Lando. Um, Lando. We. um. But seeing that scene and it's all its originality and uncensoredness, I was just like, oh, my God, this is brutal and insane. Like, what the hell? I feel like they need to do like a like a side movie just for that character uh, as to why he's such a nut job. I mean, they established it earlier. Mr. Blonde. Mr. Blonde. Yeah. Yeah. they, They established earlier on that he was a pretty a pretty dedicated criminal. Um, He got caught in some prior uh some prior activity and he went to jail without giving anybody up uh who he was working with and for that 
um, that particular family uh, respected him. And uh, so they establish him as part of his character arc there. But there's nothing to indicate why he was a fucking maniac, unless I missed something. It's all really kind of like, uh, it's all kind of vague, but your mind is just like, wow, this really makes me interested in who these guys are. Because they're people, the person who we, the only person we really get to know is Mr. Orange, Freddie, Freddie Neuendijk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a cop, uh, who is like, you know, trying to be a hot shot. This is his first case undercover, you know. He's really he's he's really trying to bring bring this whole uh, organi- organized crime thing, uh, you know, down from the inside, and you know, mm. tit, everything goes tits up for him. So um. <laughs> that's that's putting it lightly. I um, <laughs> I have never been more engrossed into somebody bleeding out in a film the way I was with him. Like he he was just drenched in like two gallons of his own blood. For most of the film. I mean, they did a great job just keeping him, just keeping his clothes like just wet with blood. And and toward the end of the film, like he actually, you know, was losing color steadily. Um, You could see you could also see his reflection in a pool of his own blood, which was like (laughs) crazy. But uh, but yeah, with the whole movie, you know, how this movie reflects heat is that there are. There are actors in here that are um, that are cr- actual criminals mm-hmm. um, who, you know, because Mr. Blue, the old guy who barely says anything, he was actually like a career criminal. He was like a cat burglar. Right. In and real in, life. Uh, yeah. In real life. And <laughs> in fucking and in fucking heat, um, Danny Trejo was also like he was also ar- an armed. He, he his background was in armed robbery. So um, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's um, that's like an interesting little factoid uh, I know about about uh, both these movies that is easily Googleable. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah, um, that's super. That's super fucking interesting. Um, yeah. The uh, <laughs> I gotta say though, I'm I'm not sorry in regards to the ultimate fate of almost all the characters. Maybe. <laughs> Perhaps a little bit for Mr. Orange, um, yeah. even though, like, you know, it, it's his his naivete sort of is what did him in, especially when uh, there was an earlier scene where he left his apartment and he knew he was about to go in. And there was obviously a cop car tailing uh, the criminals that he was hooking up with. And it was just like, you got to they said something like you got to be missing like half a brain to go undercover for uh, for this job or something along those lines. Um, he's all fresh face. He's just like, I'm going to do this job. Um, but everybody else was just a fucking piece of shit racist. In this, yeah, in this exactly. Movie. Like, like, um, <laughs> whoa. Agreed. Yeah. The, the racism on the, in this movie is kind of like off the charts. <laughs> what I, what I'm still trying to, to place is, what is the significance of Steve Buscemi's character? What do you mean? What is the significance of Steve Buscemi's character? Well, he he had he had quite a number of lines in this film, especially when they sort of established um, he's Mister Pink, he's Mr. <laughs> right? He's Mister Pink. But when they established some of his uh, character motivation through um, sort of indirect means with the whole tipping monologue, 
uh, in the restaurant at the beginning. He was just like, I just don't believe in tipping. And they're just like, what? What are you talking about? These these girls, they don't make any money. He's just like, that's not my problem. It's like, is it my problem that the, that the establishment doesn't pay them what they're supposed to? It's like, I just don't believe in tipping. And, um, and I was just like, all right, so this guy, this this is what's supposed to tell us about this guy. He doesn't necessarily follow social convention, uh, but is it because of personal conviction or is he just an asshole? <laughs> no, I, I, the way I see it is that he's ruthless. Like he he adheres very strict, like throughout the whole movie, he adheres to a very strict code. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's oh, that's just like, true. That's yeah, true. he's like, we're supposed to be fucking professionals. Like, I don't understand why you guys are acting this way. I think he um, might see. I think he might secretly be a metahuman because when they started firing, when they started shooting at each other at the end, he was under those stairs so fucking fast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> dude was like the Flash, just like <laughs> red shifted away. <laughs> but uh, but that whole standoff, Mister Pink, he was he was yeah. up, he was he was about his business. Uh, you could uh, when he was talking to Mister White, and Mister White was upset that Mr. Orange was um, like at death's door for the whole film. And he almost tried to tell Mr. Pink his name. And Mr. Pink was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to know your name. It's like, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so um, also throughout that whole exchange with Mr. White and Mr. Pink in the bathroom, right? You see Mr. Mr. White is like combing his hair. Like mm-hmm. he's combing his hair and he's talking about how, oh, man, this is so fucked up. Weak, you know, uh, Mr. Blonde went crazy and blah, blah, blah. And, sorry, uh, let me let me just stop you there. I'm sorry. Uh, Instagram is telling me that I have 15 seconds left. So everybody, when this cuts off, I'm going to restart the live stream immediately. So you just jump back on and we'll keep on the conversation. All right. Yeah. We love you All guys. Right. So we'll, we'll be, be back. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> Because she got a great ass, and you got your head all the way up it. And we are back. <laughs> Any moment now. <laughs> oh, oh. And we're yeah, back. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> are we? Are we back again, Pavel? Yes, we're back again. <laughs> <laughs> We're back again. <laughs> now I'm just making no. <laughs> so, yeah, in, in regards to um, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, he was combing his hair, uh, Mr. White. Yes, and you were he was combing his hair. About that. And uh, yeah, yeah. So he was combing his hair. Mr. White's, you know, you know, tough, talking tough. Mr. Pink is loading his gun. Mm-hmm. And then he cocks his he cocks back the the you know he cocks his gun and then Mr. White shoots him a look like what the fuck like he doesn't trust him either. like they don't trust each other like you could tell from that scene where Mr. White is just like oh shit maybe he's the cop you know mm. um and uh, or like maybe he's just gonna turn on me and just shoot me and then get out of here I don't know any of these people you know <laughs> and that's what I think is like the main basis of this movie is like men's inability to communicate properly. Uh, so I think it's I think it's also a criminal thing though. Like oh yeah, true yeah yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah I guess it's the yeah yeah. You know if they betray each other, what they're gonna do? Call the police? You know? Yeah so. I know right. It's like this this guy stole diamonds. Well technically we all stole diamonds, but <laughs> that's besides the point. You know why are you pointing your guns at me? No, you know. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, 
yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how uh, how it all they all don't trust each other, but they kind of still relate to each other in this really <laughs> fucked up way. Um, you know, with regards to the uh, the racist conversations, pretty much posited by Mr. Pink half the time. So, um, yeah, holy shit! I mean, those I gotta say, those n words dropped kind of hard, and every time it came up, I was just like, God damn, man! Yeah, this, I know, is, right? Um, and I, it's 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 like uh, now let's let's critique. Can we critique Quentin Tarantino for a little bit? Because mm. um, as much as you know, it's so uh, Quentin Tarantino is like the pinnacle of oh, is the uh, is the pinnacle of uh, he's the pinnacle of a double edged sword for me. You know, okay. he's he's a, I think he's a really good director. I think mm-hmm. a lot of his his. Uh, his conversational style, just his style in general, has influenced me a lot. Um, but uh, uh, I think that his desire to be invited to the cookout is—oh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he tries so hard, especially in Pulp Fiction. In Pulp Fiction, I don't know if you've if you've rewatched it lately, um, but there's a scene where he's talking about storing uh you know someone in his garage um and it is it is hard to listen to mm-hmm. and i feel like he made jackie brown in almost as if he was apologizing for for him saying that i don't know maybe it's just me i don't know um i i agree that's it, that's i mean that's always sort of followed his filmmaking style which kind of worried me when it seemed like he was going to do a star trek film i was just like (laughs) it's like in space nobody can hear you say the n-word so i don't know how he's he's gonna gonna... pull this off (laughs) yeah fucking like you imagine jean-luc picard just turns to jordy the forge and calls him the (laughs) n-word oh oh, shit Oh like Jordan LaForge, I think, would take off his fucking visor and be like, I was Kunta Kente, asshole. <laughs> he just kicks Jean-Luc Picard in his chest. <laughs> He's like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm being assaulted by a black man, number one, you know. <laughs> oh, man. And that's, that's when Worf has to drop the whole... Cl- the whole Klingon play is just like, hey, listen. Uh, <laughs> oh, get, let me guess. Oh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> it's like, listen, I'm not down with this shit, you know? So Yeah. We all know, Worf, you're a Klingon. We get it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a, a Tarantino Star Trek probably wouldn't be very, very Trek-like. <laughs> no, it'd be hilarious, I think. Ah. <laughs> uh. Um. The first yeah, hard, it would be the weird. first hard R Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like in the first, in the opening moments of the of the movie, like you know, uh, Deanna Troy cuts off. I don't know why I'm going Next Generation. <laughs> Deanna Troy cuts off Data's ear. You know, he's like, I don't think anything that you're doing serves its its purpose. You know, and she's like, This is what I feel like doing. You know, because of zero. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, jeez. Um, but a lot uh, of trek, a lot of trek nods in this lot, one. A lot of trek. Hey, but I mean that alternate universe, like beyond the JJ verse uh, trek. Um, but uh, in regards to 
Reservoir Dogs. Uh, one of the one of the obscure details that just jumped out at me is they a lot of the action uh, in the latter half of the movie took place in a large, vacant sort of warehouse type of space. Yes. Um, and when Mr. Blonde stepped out for a moment to go get the tank of gas, because uh, he was going to light up that officer they had hostage, um, it seemed like he stepped out into like the back of a residential neighborhood because there was a pretty nice house across the street. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, does nobody hear like the gunshots or anything? Go- or, is a, this, or is this like a really bad neighborhood or something like that? You know what? I don't I don't really know, but I think that, you know, inside inside that storage place, it's uh it's a warehouse. I don't know if you noticed, but it's a coffin warehouse. Like they store coffins and I think they mm. process dead bodies. Mm. So who knows? Like maybe they hear a dead body come to life and then they're just like, <laughs> "Oh, it's it's the living dead," you know. Generally um, generally speaking, you don't hear gunshots in a um <sighs> In a uh, casket factory, I am assuming. I've never been in one. I could be wrong. Maybe they dropped a casket. Maybe that's the sound of somebody dropping a casket. And they're just like, oh, it sounds like gunshots. (laughs) Look at me. I'm trying to rationalize everything. Hey, you you might be right. You might be right. Yeah. Um, But... uh... (laughs) Yeah, because I can only imagine, like, what people hear is like, ah! You know, and then it's like... (laughs) super sounds of the 70s like some music and then gunshots and then like more like somebody escaping and then the cops and then more gunshots so (laughs) oh man but that that movie was a a a real meditation on the relationship between men to a certain extent yeah um and the the consequences of i guess sticking to your principles because it seems like um mr pink was the only one who who decided to stay exactly the same yeah um throughout uh, jamie just uh, commented reanimator dogs now you see (laughs) adding adding reanimator serum to any movie will make it better guaranteed (laughs) guaranteed for those of you who don't guy eddie comes undead guy eddie you know (laughs) For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, last week we reviewed uh, a movie called uh, Reanimator uh, versus... Uh, oh, we Rick- watched two movies. Yeah, uh, versus Ricky. Yeah. Oh, the story of Ricky. And uh, let's just say they're, it, it, they're very different takes on the movies that uh, yes. we're looking at this this uh, this week. But um, uh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Pink was the only one who really stuck by his own uh, principles and managed to survive, which I guess could be the like the common thread between heat and reservoir dogs it's like no matter what you are if you stay true to to what you are there's very little that will get the drop on you because you know your trajectory and the moment you try to present the moment you try to um, pretend you're something that you're not or not stick to the guidelines that you have adhered to that have served you thus far is when you get into trouble. Yeah. At least, at least I think. Yeah. Um, now as we start, I think we should start wrapping up unless yeah. you wanted to talk more about it with regards to pitting like say Al Pacino's crew against the reservoir dogs. Oh no, sorry, not Al Pacino, Robert De Niro's crew against the reservoir dogs. Who do you think would come out on top? In an all-out bloodbath, 
All you know, extravaganza. If we're talking about just sheer firepower, I'm ta- I'm, I think the guys from Heat because they had they had probably the scariest guns that I've ever seen in any <laughs> movie, and and I'm including sci-fi. That's the thing. Like, I I thought that some of the weapons in District Nine were scary, but when I heard these fucking guns, I was just like, we need to just ban all of it. Sorry, I mean, yeah. so you would think that the Heat guys would like kill the reservoir dogs in in regards to just sheer firepower but if we were basing it on if we were basing it on like st- sticking to your principles i think maybe the reservoir dog reservoir dog guys uh might eke it out okay okay mm-hmm. um i agree be- uh, I, no no, no. Uh, really why why do you think they might eke it out uh just because they it seemed like up until <sighs> Up until that job in which everything got messed up and uh, some of them died, um, they all had this methodology to their criminality, uh, which has served them up until that point. Um, And then once they were thrown into chaos and it seemed like the source of the chaos was a betrayal within the group, then they had they all stuck to uh, their previous methodology they probably could have worked through it. But as they started to sort of delineate from that, that is what allowed doubt to creep in, you know? Okay. Um, so that's that's what I'm thinking. It's not that the guys from Heat didn't have somewhat of a similar problem because it, it's all about, like, being who you are and knowing that and then trying to be something that you're not, you know? Gotcha. So it could go either way. But what do you think? Um, I think, uh, like Sangani says, I see you. Um, that uh, that's um, that, that's uh, that's Yevgeny and Cassandra. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. guys. <laughs> Woo! I think. Um, I think. Uh, 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 so Sabrina said Michael Corleone wins. <laughs> yeah, Michael Corleone wins. <laughs> Wrong movie. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Hoo ha! So. Um, <laughs> I think that um I think that De Niro and his crew takes it because um I think that De Niro and his crew takes it because uh the reservoir dogs I think would all kill each other before they even got down to the showdown. Um mm. because mm. they'd be like all tough guy talk and like busting each other's chops and then Miss Mr. Blonde says one wrong thing to Mr. White and then it just <laughs> becomes a bullet festival. Right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Then, like it just it just becomes Robert De Niro and Tom Sizemore and Val Kilmer. They all, you know, and Danny Trejo. They all come into the warehouse, and the and the Reservoir Dogs are all dead. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like ah, you know, they come they come in expecting a fight. They're just like, what happened? <laughs> and then Steve Buscemi comes out from underneath that little like that ramp, and he's just like, they all just shot each other. And then it's just like, you know what? Fuck you. And then they shoot Steve Buscemi. <laughs> oh, God. And Robert De Niro's just like, why is why does it smell like gasoline in here? Yeah. No? <laughs> Nobody smoke. <laughs> I want to hear nothing. Nah, 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 nothing. I smell things. Yeah, I, I smell, smell things. things. I smell <laughs> reservoir things. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um so i think we should wrap it up 
Yeah, yeah. Um, listeners, uh, viewers at this point, uh, we yep. thank you so, so much for joining us for our 150th episode. Thanks, um, guys. Seriously, like we <laughs> we couldn't have done this without you. Um, we uh, we appreciate our, our loyal listenership. Um, we've got some stuff coming down the pipeline that is going to expand the show, expand uh, the things... Uh, that we're doing partially just because of uh, the global situation that's happening we've had to adapt but um, we're also just looking to take this uh, to new places so uh, you know stick with us and uh, hopefully everybody who's watching at some point will get you as guests on the show so yes this is you know this is a community kind of operation here yeah rvt is going to expand Big time. We're going to expand like Val Kilmer oh, past his prime. <laughs> so stay tuned. Um, so from both of us here, once again, I am Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. All right, bud. So from both of us here. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. <laughs> but you should try keeping it right. Song of the week.